All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast. I am here with Mr. Jim C. Jim, how are you today, sir? Pretty good, Travis. Thanks for calling. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time out of uh, your day to hang out with us. Not a problem. Glad to do it. So the sport of precision rifle shooting has grown tremendously over the past couple of years. You were one of the first people in the sport for the people that are just now getting into precision rifle. Can you give us a quick background on who you are, what you do? Um, so everybody can kind of get caught up. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, so back in 2008, I started a gunsmithing business in Wisconsin called, uh, center shot rifles and, uh, built most, mostly hunting rifles and some competition rifles. And I, and I heard about Rich Emmons trying to start the, a precision rifle series and, and I never shot a precision rifle match. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to get in on that. So I actually joined when Rich first, uh, brought that public and, uh, I shot three matches in 2012, and I qualified for the finale. And that first year, I believe, we shot the finale at rifles only. Um, I finished seventh at that match. And ever since that year, I was hooked, so I just kept shooting and and trying to get better and excel. And, and I had a pretty good run, and I, I won a few matches and, and uh, really enjoyed myself doing it. Uh, during that time, I moved to, to Oklahoma and I uh, worked for Surgeon Rifles for a couple of years in, in rifle production and action production. And then uh, we, in 2015, moved to Iowa. And so I got back into my own role as a business owner and started Elite Accuracy. Uh, I build uh, precision rifles for hunting matches, uh, competitions, and I also do competition training classes. So. Uh, the basis for my classes are I travel to you. Um, I probably hit six or seven states throughout the year and hold up to 10 to 14 uh, events. And uh, that's pretty much what I've been up to the last few years. Very nice. So it's very safe to say that you are one of the first people into this sport. Well, you know, the sport predated PRS. Um, you know, there was a lot of tactical style matches that were going on for probably 15 or 20 years. It was just, I think the PRS brought it to the forefront, um, and just showed more people the sport. Um, you know, we can thank you for some of that. Uh, there was a couple of years in there where you were doing a lot of filming of events and, and, uh, broadcasting it on the internet. And I think those videos in and of themselves and shooters sharing your videos, um, through Connex Media is probably what uh, expanded this sport to the extent that it had because really there was no publicity other than that. You know, we were a, right. a little small community with not a lot of notoriety just going to matches. And, uh, you know, you really, you really showed the best of it with your productions. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So from when you first started in precision rifle to today, it's been several, you know, a couple of years and a lot has changed. Where do you think the sport has gone from when you first started to now? Is it a good thing, a bad thing, an indifferent thing, or we don't know yet? Uh, I think there, I think there's been some r real good highlights to it. I think there's probably been some, some, you know, some, a little bit of detriment in, in areas too. Um, overall, I've seen it going forward, marching forward, and continuing continuing to grow. 
Um, I think the concept of national level series probably needs to be tweaked a little bit and changed um, from from what has happened in the last couple of years. You know, but you know everybody's working on on that solution. Um, some are a little little bit more on the fast track to solving those problems, and uh, and I think with with people like that working at it, we're going to continue to have a really good sport, uh, high participation levels, and an influx of new shooters. Um, there's always a challenge of of maintaining your presence and you know, maintaining your members and attracting new shooters and those all need to balance. And I think somebody's gonna hit that right balance and, and they're gonna have the series that, that continues on and, and succeeds rapidly. Well and you've been a large part of that as well. I mean you've been shooting national level matches, but a couple of years ago you also started Border War, which is more of a regional style match. Yeah, you know, that kind of started out of me moving out of Oklahoma. I got spoiled in Oklahoma because uh, OPPS, Oklahoma Practical, Preci- Practical Precision Shooters, had a, a really strong state-level organization. And I was a part of that. I was the vice president for a, a little over a year there. And, you know, we had monthly matches, and, and we held national matches there as well. And, and I was close to a lot of different ranges that had a lot of shooting opportunities. And when I moved back to Iowa or or back up to the upper Midwest, you know, that was still lacking. I had left here in 2013 and kind of left this area behind. And when I came back, I kind of looked at it as my duty to increase the sport up here and organize the sport because we can get so congested with these little and I don't want I don't want to say they're not quality matches, but they're not just up not not they're not to the level or standard that I'm accustomed to. So what I was my goal when I came back here was to somehow conjoin the upper Midwest and get all the little ranges on the same page. And you know, we can all have a match every weekend and fifteen to thirty guys are gonna show up. Or what we can do is as state clubs is to organize amongst ourselves with multiple states and create a series that is going to be challenging. It's going to attract more shooters. It's it's and and the actuality is it's going to be more profitable for the range owners. Instead of holding 15 and 30 man matches, he can now hold 50 to 100 man man one day matches, and the shooters get to see each other more and uh, network a little bit more with with people from other states and and really it's valuable. It's growth in the community. And it's got that small town feel still, but it's got the competition that so many of us desire. And so when I moved up here, I started talking with other match directors in, in other areas. I, I actually got some new match directors who wanted to start running matches in different states. They, they knew I was in the area, so they contacted me and said, hey, can you come over and check out my range and give me some ideas and things like that? And through making these contacts, I kind of decided, hey, I think we can start this Border War Rifle Series, um, hold two or three matches in every state, try and kind of curtail the club matches um, a little bit in every state so they're not having them on a bi-weekly basis. Maybe they only have one club match a month now, and so that leaves frees up some more time for guys to maybe go from Minnesota to Iowa to shoot a match or from Wisconsin to Minnesota to shoot a match. And, and by doing that, we created this, this one-day series, which is typically a, a eight-stage, 80-round match, uh, 50 to 100 guys, 
uh, we usually have people from three or four states show up. It's highly competitive. We have little prize tables on there. You know, the value of the prizes are probably between three to five thousand uh, dollars. Match fees are exceptionally low. We run match fees that, on average, are about fifty bucks. The, the usually the lows are around forty and the highs are around seventy. And it's just a really good affordable series that allows guys to get in the series. New guys can come in, be mentored by some more experienced shooters. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to get more people shooting. I think it's a phenomenal idea. I mean, the, the fact that you figured out a way to organize so many different states into a region, but make it cost effective and affordable for, you know, the guy that works a, a corporate job and can't necessarily take off on a Friday to a national level, but he can make it to a weekend regional match um, very accessible. I think it was brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without support. And, and one of the people that really helped me was Scott Parks from Vortex Optics. He jumped on board right away. He thought my idea was phenomenal. And he said, hey, I, we want to be the title sponsor. And and we're going to give $500 worth of product to every every one of your matches. And we're going to give five to $10,000 worth of product for your finale match. And and he kind of encouraged me along the way to just keep on plugging along with it because there was some frustration there. I mean, when oh, yeah. we originally when we originally started this plan, we were going to be four or five states, and then pretty soon it was seven, and I think this year we're up to nine. Um, so, you know, all my sponsors have been great. Um, I, I tried to approach the whole sponsorship and prize tables a little bit differently than other series have in the past. Because we are a one-day match, and and we're trying to get new shooters into the market, I thought that was an opportunity for sponsors to advertise to them as new shooters. Because after all, the new shooters are the people who are initially putting in that large expenditure to, to gear up into the sport. Right. Excuse me. And so I, I approached the sponsors uh, with, rather than saying, hey, I want you to send me free stuff. I said, I want to I want to initiate an effective marketing plan for your company. And by doing that, I don't I don't want free stuff. I want you to give me a discount code or I want to give you I want you to give me a 25 percent off or a hundred hundred dollars off or something of your products. So in effect, those sponsors are, are donating things that may be at their at their wholesale level. Um, because of the discount they're offering, but it's allowing these new shooters to get that certificate and go out and purchase a product and save a little money. And if if Tate Streeter gives 25% off of an impact action and a guy with a Remington 700 says, hey, this is the first step to my new custom build, he goes and calls Tate and he, he gets that action for 25% off, what else does he need to buy? Well, now he's got to go find a barrel maker. And he's gonna. He doesn't have a discount code for that, so he's gonna call up a bear maker and he's gonna buy a buy a product. And he's gonna buy a, call a stock maker and he's gonna call a trigger maker. And if I got a trigger maker, a stock maker, and a barrel maker as sponsors of my series, and he knows that, he's likely gonna call those guys to buy that product. Right. So, just by that little discount from one sponsor, all these other sponsors are get are are getting business, and. So Tate might have lost out on that deal. He lost 25%, but the next guy's getting a, a, a free barrel or a half-off barrel from Rock Creek. Now he's calling Tate for an action. So yeah. it's, a, it's a you scratch my back, I scratch your, your kind of system. And, and, the, and the one thing I really wanted to change was 
in the two-day events, the big two-day event, events, I've always had this philosophy that I'm only going to pick up something off the prize table that I can use or my boys can use, something that I can use. I've given, given plenty of product away, find an RO or a new shooter and give it away because there was never anything on the prize table I thought I could truly use. So I would pick up something I knew someone else could use and give it to them. And, and that was generous, and, and many pro shooters do that. I'm not the only one. And I thought, well, rather than, rather than just leave it that way, I'm going to work the system so that I can get the sponsor products in the new shooter's hands. So what I do is unique probably to the sport. And when we have a prize table for a match, if there's 25 prizes on there, I usually call up the first place shooter of the match, give him his trophy, let him walk the prize table, and then I do a random draw of the remaining shooters who are not in the top 12. Nice. So that, so that there, there may be the 42nd place shooter at that match can walk up and take the second prize table pick. That's and then awesome. I'll call, I'll call up the second place shooter, then the second place random draw. And I'll just continue that way till the prizes are distributed. And I think it works well. Um, I don't know how the, the shooters feel. I mean, obviously if you're in 13 or 14th place and you didn't get random draw, you maybe you feel like you, you didn't get quite so lucky, but um, I, I feel like we need to do that for the new shooters to, to keep some interest and to have the sponsor support continue because I truly do believe that those, those newer shooters who aren't performing very well um, get that opportunity to get some product in their hands and, th and then go buy some more product and upgrade their equipment and, and just move along in the sport. And I, I, think it's, I think it really helps the Border War Rifle Series. Well, I, I think you have a great solution because, honestly, from you know an outside perspective standpoint, price tables are great, but they're also have become a burden. I mean, you have shooters out there that that's all they care about is getting the highest placement they can, so they can get the most valuable prize, so they can turn around and sell it and make some money to continue their shooting habit or feed their family or whatever it is. But then you have the shooters out there like yourself. And like you said, there's several other pros that do this, um, that shoot want the highest ranking, but don't necessarily care about the prize, the best, or I should say the most expensive prize on the table. Um, and so it's, it, it's really hard because of the sponsors standpoint as well, you know, they're looking at it like, is my stuff going to go to somebody who needs it? Or is my stuff going to end up on eBay or Sniper's Hide or wherever it is? Yeah, and, you know, we, we all, you know, some of us, you know, don't like the idea that stuff gets publicly sold and traded on, on social media. And that's just a fact of life. I can't fault a shooter who maybe is tight on a budget and he wins something and he, and he, he may not necessarily need it and he needs to sell it to fund his shooting. Um, I can't fault him for that. I'm not in that position. I, can, I, I go to matches that I can afford. Um, you know, I, I pick where I can travel and, and stay the most economically and what matches I like to shoot. Um, and, and, I, and I 
I haven't gone overboard in the last couple of years. I've been shooting five to seven matches a year rather than 13 or 14 like I did in 2015. So, um, you know, I pick and choose and I go to the ones that I enjoy the most and I'm going to see most of my friends and, and reconnect that way. And so to me, it's as much a social event as it is a sporting event. Um, and, and yeah, it, it is It is one of the things. They, they Some product is going to get sold, and if it goes on social media, I guess some, some sponsors may look at it, hey, you know, I got I got some, some footing at the match uh, as a sponsor, and now here I am on social media, and, and my stuff is, you know, being publicized some more as, as somebody sells it again. Now, I don't know if that's a valid thing that sponsors think or not, but maybe it is. It's what I hear quite a bit, but... Um, you know, it's it's just the way the world works, and, and I don't think we can end that. As long as we accept the fact that match directors fill matches based on price tables, um, and maybe some match directors charge more because they feel like they have a exponentially better price table, we still need to realize that that the sponsors are getting something out of it too, and Absolutely. it's 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 advertising, and as as long as it's effective advertising for them. Um, you got to remember this segment is growing by leaps and bounds for years. We've said, you know, we're, we're going to milk the sponsors dry. We're going to milk the sponsors dry, but if their advertising is effective and that's what I try to do at the border rifle series, I try to make it effective advertising so that the sponsors want to give because they're increasing their sales. And, and as this market grows, they certainly, this market certainly can't be ignored by sponsors because if, if a sponsor ignores this market, they're going to lose sales. And as long as they figure out what's effective for them as far as advertising, it won't be a burdensome to them. Um, and, I, and I think they just need to look at it that way and manage their sponsorship plan for their company and the size of their company and what they can afford. And as long as they do that, they'll be doing the right thing. No, I, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So speaking of the growth of the sport and new people coming in, We've recently made a announcement, actually this past week, about a new partnership, strategic alliance, however you want to call it, uh, between the NRL and Border War. So this was something that you and I had been talking about for several months, for, for quite a while. But what does this mean to you guys? Well, um it actually means a lot because, you know, I floated this idea around of regional series for two years. Um, and, and I thought I had some traction a couple of years ago where we're, and I, and I was basically telling people in certain regions, you know, you need to organize your state and you need to organize with your surrounding states because the reality is I see the growth in this segment as a regional based growth. Not everyone can afford to run all around the country and shoot matches in multiple different states. But if we were to be, let's say, six regions throughout the United States and those regions ran series, more people could afford to shoot those series because they're regionally based. Right. And then there can be a regional finale. And then if we get all these regions throughout the entire country formed, we can then send our top 20 or 30 shooters in each region to a national finale. And there's a lot of interesting ways to get those top 20 and 30 to the national finale when you think about it. Um, my goal was always to have, have dues for any series I would run because I need to have specific numbers of how many shooters I have. So that's 
how I can gear up how many matches I need to run throughout my region. And I think by having the NRL being a national organizer for the nation, you can have an overseer of the nation with regional directors in every region. And if we pay our dues to the NRL and the NRL sells, sends half the dues back to the regional director, that regional director can then at the end of the year use those dues to, to, to fund his team to go to the national finale. So right. if you have 20, 20 people on your team, and let's say seven of them are, are dead ringer shooters and you want to send them, but they say, man, I can't get off work or I cannot afford it. I just had a baby and my wife's at home alone or whatever. Maybe we can help them with travel expenses or entry fees, or maybe we can hire them a nanny for the weekend so that Bob Jr. can come shoot because we know Bob Jr. is the one that's going to put us at the top. You know, there's a lot of interesting things you can do with those funds. To, to get your top guys there. And, you know, to some shooters, that may not appeal to them. They may say, well, I'm never going to be that top guy. Well, you know, never say never. Um, I know plenty of guys who've taken classes that I've run and, and thought they were, you know, forever going to be held in the middle of the pack who were enlightened and, and learned something and, and went out and won their next match. So, um, you know, if you have the commitment there to the sport, um, you can always get there. So I don't, I don't like to think that guys in the, in the back half of the pack think, well, I don't want to send that money in because they're going to use it for somebody else. Uh, someday that money may be used for you. So if everybody would look at it that way, I think what we can do is just, uh, you know, have a phenomenal regional series that's affordable, gets new shooters in, has the implications of a national finale and, and, uh, you know, just a, a good time for everybody and is going to literally grow the sport and grow product sales for companies. And I, I think it's a brilliant idea. And that's why, you know, after we've been talking about this for several months, that's why the NRL had voted to become a part of the border war and help maintain or help um, run some of that administration and help bring some more marketing and some more exposure to the border war series. Yeah, and I, and I think that's great, Travis. The burden of a single regional director to run his regional series and tabulate the scores and take match registrations and things like that is pretty burdensome. Um, I had help. Adrian Allen's been a, a critical asset to the Border War Rifle Series, and, and Adrian is now working for Vortex Optics. He's, he's one of their trainers, and he travels a lot, and this job has gotten more and more difficult for him to find time to do. So... He, this relationship that we have built is going to benefit me um, greatly because Adrian is ready to give it up. So it was great that you would would volunteer to take on some of that role. Um, it's going to it's it, it obviously it leaves a lot of stress off of me because I was wondering what I was going to do, and right. uh, and and I think this is something the NRL can run with. I think this is going to be pretty popular. It sounds like we've already got organizations rolling in the northeast, the northwest, and the southeast. Um, it looks like South Central and Southeast um, probably need a little work, but I've been pretty privy to every every all your contacts either. So, um, you know, maybe there's something in the works down there already. Um, but I feel like it for for just announcing this a couple of weeks ago. This is it's off to a really good start, and I think this is going to be wildly successful. 
I, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, we've since we've announced this, we've been getting calls from Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, uh, Arizona, everybody asking how to get involved. And um, forgive me, but I've been directing everybody to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been getting some of those calls. So, yeah, and if you haven't, yeah, you, you will be any day now. But um, it, it's just really exciting because I, I think – the two-day national level matches, I, I think those will always be around, but it's going to be more, for lack of a better term, exclusive because not as many people, like you said, have the ability to travel. And that's what makes Border Wars so brilliant is that you don't necessarily have to travel cross-country to qualify for a match. Um, it definitely opens up the doors for, for more people to shoot. And I think it's going to become a hotter segment a precision rifle for sponsors than maybe even the nationals. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, the way I've been doing sponsor tables is, as the regional director, I recruit the sponsors and I ask them to supply a certificate or a prize for every single match. And so what I do is I send out, and I've done this for two years now, I, I accumulate the prize packages in, in the start of our season and I get them all mailed out to all our match directors so they have them when their match starts. And it, it has worked really well. Um, there, there. You know, it's not as large of a commitment to the sponsors because I'm asking for less, even though it's for more matches. They get they get season long exposure. Um, right. And 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 as we're ha talking this, I just wrote the course of fire for our, our season finale, which will be at Vapor Trails, in Missouri. Tom Jacobs and I will be uh, co-match directors on that match. I was just down there yesterday. Um, we set up the course fire. I wrote the range, the, the, the range book today. Nice. Um, and, and literally that match is going to happen next Saturday. Um, so I, I still got a lot of work to do to get ready for that. I have probably, and, and this just tells you how, well, how good my sponsors are and how much they stepped up. Um, between two sponsors, I have $25,000 worth of product for the prize table. Wow. And those those two sponsors are our are, are title sponsor, Vortex Optics, and another sponsor um, that has been really good to me. They're local to Iowa. Brownells Inc. has been uh, supplying gunsmiths with with material and parts and tooling for, for decades. And they now sell reloading components and supplies, and, and they're a one-stop one shop. And they literally sent me a box of, of items worth $15,000. That's phenomenal. It, it is. Uh, my, my contact there, Ryan, has been absolutely 100% solid. And, and I don't ask for this stuff. He volunteers it. He, he sees what we're doing here. He wants to be a part of it. And, and he actually shoots the series as well. So um, great, great guy, great supporter of the Border War Rifle Series. And uh, it's going to be an, an epic match for our members. So for everybody who's not familiar with Border War, how does your championship work since your regional matches are one day, 80 round-ish, you know, eight stages, is your championship the same format or is it turned into a two-day championship? How does that work out? We, we, we've talked about doing the two-day championship thing and it seems like the members don't really care to do a two-day championship thing. Um, the, the idea here is we're doing a one day match. It's going to be 12 stages, 120 rounds. Um, and we're going to start it. We're going to start shooting at eight in the morning and I'm going to have 
70 shooters who qualified for the finale and some uh, sponsors who have shooters that were invited, which may, might amount to five or six. We're going to have them through that course of fire. We expect to be done by 1 to 2 o'clock. Um, so it's it's going to be a fast-paced match. And what that does is basically most of the guys are going to have to drive in Friday night, check in, uh, shoot their 100-yard zero, um, go to the hotel, come back in the morning. We're going to try and get this whole thing wrapped up by 3.30, 4 o'clock, and we can send them home. And then most of them can be sleeping in their own bed Saturday night. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So you've really taken the, the spirit of competition and camaraderie and, and condensed it into an affordable format that is obtainable by just about anybody that wants to participate in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a lot of our guys, I mean, I've seen some of the guys from Minnesota, they'll, they'll all get in a, mo a camper or a motorhome, and there might be six or seven of them in there, and they'll just all pile in. They'll drive to the range, and obviously fuel is a little more expensive. But they're splitting it six ways, and they're all sleeping in it, and they get their shooting in, and, and you know, they spend the night usually a couple nights down there, and then they head home. So our ranges are very accommodating for campers and things like that. Um, and, and that's by design. We, we want people to be able to camp if that's the way they can save some money doing it. Right. And, uh, and it's and a it lot just of fun. Yeah, it does. It's a lot of camaraderie there. Um, I've hung around with them guys, you know, and had a couple of beers after the match and things like that. So um, it, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a great environment. Yep. Yes, sir. So one of the big questions that I've been receiving from people now that the announcement of the NRL Border Wars has been made is, is the series going to change? You know, um, other organizations have already announced changes for 2019 for what they're going to be doing. And I just want to make it a, a public announcement through through the show here that next year for 2019, the NRL goal is to come in and, and support the current Border War team and let everything continue to run the way that it has ran. So we're not changing rules. We're not changing fees. We're not changing anything that has made the border war successful. What we will be doing is a new website, better management of scores, a collection of monies for memberships or dues or anything of that nature that might be considered administrative. But we don't want to take away the spirit of what the border war is. And so we're, we're going to leave it alone for at least the first year, let it grow organically. And it's, already growing as you just heard from Jim and Jim is going to be, you know, guiding us in the best possible scenario for everybody to be able to compete in border war and for the series to grow into a national regional style match. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by design, I don't want, I don't want this to be a, a, a series that's ruled from the top down. This series has always been ruled from the bottom up. Right. I, I specifically seek out um, advice and information from our members and consult with different people and sponsors and determine what's the best route forward. Um, and, and this is the beauty of it. 
you know, in national level stuff, we, we've all heard the meatball match thing, and, and the guys in this part of the country get better scores because there's that many people at their match, and, and 50 of them leave with 90 points, and da da da. I don't care about that anymore because in a series like this, each region can have rules specific to their region. That's what the regional coordinator's job is. A rule specific to our region is we don't allow tripods for rifle support. Now, I was criticized on that rule early on, but I'll tell you what, the members actually love it because we have this equal playing field. The, the guy who brings his factory Remington 700 and can't afford a $500 or a $2,000 tripod doesn't need to worry about the guy with the $5,000 rifle and the $2,000 tripod, you know, taking that equipment advantage that he doesn't even have that tripod. Um, I've, and I understand people share gear and things like that, but there always seems to be that one squad of newer guys who just, you know, are kind of fumbling and they don't understand all the, the, the systems we have to increase our ability to hit targets. And those are the guys that suffer. And when they see it, then, then they get a little, uh, you know, discontent over, over what's going on and things like that. So I just put in simple rules because I was like, you know, it's real easy for me to decide I'm not going to use a tripod. I can shoot without a tripod. I don't need the tripod. So let's just make it a blanket rule, no tripods. You know, I've considered uh, taking that rule out next year, um, but I haven't fully decided yet. I go back and forth on it. So when we talk about a region controlling the region, and we have a regional director who's familiar with that region and knows it intimately, and he knows the other range ranges and the other match directors, it's a grassroots effort to coordinate those guys and get them all on the same page and, and commit to, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. And and the guys in the plains don't need to worry about the guys in the southeast, and the guys in the southeast don't need to worry about the guys in the northwest. Because in the end, if this ever turns into a national grudge match between regions with a national finale of a team, we don't care how you formed your team. You right. formed the best team in your region that you could, and you sent them to a national event. And that national event will be governed by the NRL because they will be the ones putting on that match. And so then we will follow your rules. But up until then, it's a totally completely a grassroots regional series based on input from all your regions, MDs and ranges so that everybody's on the same page. And it's brilliant. Each region finds the best of the best for their team, send them to the national championship and we'll battle it out and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so let's say one, one region sends 25 guys and one region region sends 30. That's okay. All you need to do is add up everybody's in that region score, divide it by the number of shooters. You get the, the, the power factor of what their score is, and you can simply rank every region off of that, and, and there you got your finishers. So doing it that way, it's just really simple because some regions are, are you know, obviously if we have a match in the Northwest, maybe the Northeast doesn't send a full team of 30. Maybe they just send 22. Right. And in that in that case, you know, you, you factor it out that way. You got your average of the shooter's performance and, and you can then rank the six regions of the country. This sounds brilliant to me, sir. I like it. I think it's I think well, obviously, I think it's a good idea because it's mine. But like Buck Holly <laughs> says, 
Buck Holly says, I only come up with a good, uh, a good idea about once every five years. <laughs> but, but when it's good, it sticks, brother. Yeah, I and, hope so. And you guys have a phenomenal membership. I mean, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm happy to say, but I'm also kind of embarrassed to say, but you guys have a bigger membership, active membership than we do. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, that I'm, well, no, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, I do. Me, I, I, I do too. But I, I want to kind of explain what created that, and and I think this will help other regions who you know we have some. Jesse Riddell sounds interested in being a regional director in the Northwest, and Adam Vaught in the Northeast, and and these guys might be listening to this, and and I just want to give them some information on why that worked. Um, Obviously, because they're affordable one-day matches, that helped. The first year, we only scheduled 10 matches, and we had 290 guys join the the Border Wars. And so what we did was we added five points race matches because I knew we couldn't get all those guys into matches. We just had too many members. So this year, my goal was to increase the number of matches based on how many members we get and we've gotten 440 members paid members this year and if i remember right there's close to 300 who are actively shooting yeah that's phenomenal um it, it is it really is um and i did some promotional things uh 293 it looks like we have active shooting i did some promotional things leading into the membership drives where uh, last year in November, I said, or in December, I said, if you join the Border War series between December 1st and December 31st or something like that, we're going to raffle off a Night Force optic to one of those new members who join in that month. Nice. And that, and, and that went so well. We got so many views and hits on Facebook. I mean, it was ridiculous how many views that post got. Um, and then, I decided, well, we're going to do this. Uh, actually, Vortex called me and they said, hey, we want to donate a Gen 2 razor so that you can do the same type of raffle in January for a membership drive. So what I did with, there was any new member who joined is going to get an entry into this for this optic drawing. And any existing member needs to like this post, comment, enter me, and share the post to their timeline. And I think that post was over 30,000 views on Long Facebook. Long. So it was it was a big advertising bang for their buck. I think there was probably a few people who joined the Border Wars and paid the $50 dues just for a chance to win the scope. Um, the dues this year, this year we gave a T-shirt away that, that uh, Vortex Optics generously donated to our members. And I think I have like 10 members that I'm missing addresses for to get T-shirts yet. But I think every... <laughs> All, all, at least 300 and 400 people have gotten their T-shirts. There might be a few scragglers left, and if they hear this and they haven't got their T-shirt, call me and I'll get you one. But, uh, um, and then they got a gift card from Precision Reloading for $40 off a $200 or a $300 order. So we all got to buy reloading supplies. So that was a, a good deal for Trent at Precision Reloading to, to send Absolutely. everyone a gift card for $40 off. No, brilliant. And we're going to be working, you know, on membership packages for 2019 between the NRL and, and Border Wars to get people more involved in, in both series and make it very attractive and very fun for every for everyone. So everyone who's listening that's wondering how that's going to work, uh, we'll be releasing news on that soon as well. 
um, on membership packages for 2019. We just got to get through the Border Wars finale and the NRL championship, which is at the end of October. And then we'll be making some some big news out there. Yeah, and, and so currently there's some people out there asking me questions that – and they're probably asking you the same questions, Travis – that we really don't know the answers to yet because I'm still I'm still really busy working on getting this final year through and you're wrapping up your season. And as soon as those seasons are over, me and you are going to get together and we're going to kind of figure out which, which direction we're going and what we need to tweak and whatever, and we'll have those answers. Um, yes, sir. People are just going to have to be a little bit patient and, and, and w- wait a few more weeks till we can get things straightened out. But definitely, if you're in the, the Northwest, Jesse Riddell, if you're in the, the Northeast, Adam Vaught are two contacts who are both trusted. Adam is one of my match directors. Jesse has been shooting PRS, and I, I'm a personal friend of Jesse's. He's a great guy. Both those guys will be assets to the Border War Rifle Series. If you're a match director or you are a range owner and you want something to happen in your area, you know, try and contact those guys in, in, in those areas and you could get something rolling with them. Phenomenal. So we talked about Border Wars. We talked about NRL. We talked about our new uh, strategic alliance, our partnership together. What about Jim C? What about your training um, tell us more about that. Let's switch, switch topics here a little bit. Well, so, you know, I started training, oh, I don't know, five years ago, I started doing, uh, train ups before matches and they were pretty popular and they're pretty successful. And I actually had a few people that, that went through those train ups turn out to be, uh, season champions and, and season championship winners um so i continue to do it and and part of my coaching has to do with the the mental aspect of the game a lot of it is just plain plain flat out how to shoot the fundamentals how to shoot barricades some some pretty interesting positions that i build and in different ways that i i hold the rifle um that don't necessarily follow a cookie cutter format of of a fundamental but in my mind, it's my fundamental. And there's a process to get steady on some of these barricades that looks a little unorthodox, but really, really, really works well. And so I'm not a lot of theory. I'm, um, I, you know, I cover some ballistics and, and uh, Magnus effect and aerodynamic jump and uh, elevation terrain features that, that affect our, wind, our, our, our elevation, wind, wind over terrain that affects our elevation. I, 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 I do all those things in, in the wind and the angles and things like that. But really, I'm a, I'm a guy who's going to teach you how to shoot. The bread and butter of my class is I'm going to take you out on the barricades. I'm going to demo stuff, and then I'm going to individually coach the students so they all get it. By the end of the class, they're all going to be really good barricade shooters. They're going to see some improvement. Um, and and I, I mean, this there was just a recent match in Lodi. It was a Border Wars match. Uh, a brand new guy actually works for federal Justin came in, took a class at the end of the class. He goes, man, this is actually making some sense now. And he went and he won the Lodi match a week and a half later nice. after the class. I don't think he ever finished in the top half of a border war match, but he, he, after the class, he won his next one. That's awesome. Second place to him was a gentleman who actually is a law enforcement officer in Iowa. 
and he took a class I held in Illinois about a month ago. And he's he's been a solid shooter, but he struggled to be in the top 15 all season. And he plays second behind Justin at that match. Very nice. So, it, you know, I've I, this has happened so many times, multiple times. Um, Derek Love came in up for some one-day training last year before the KPRC finale and another finale down there, and I believe he won both of them. So, you know, a lot of it is the fundamentals. A lot of it is some some different technique on barricades, and then some of it is also getting your head straight and being mentally aware and in the game the entire match. And and that's what I try and do. And I, and it's been very successful. I fill my classes. Um, the guys enjoy it. They love it. They they do well. And one of my philosophies has always been, I want my class to be affordable. I don't want the guy who maybe is shooting a factory rifle to not afford himself the opportunity to get good training. Right. So, you know, when I first started this, my classes for a two-day class were around 275, and now I have them around 350. Um, typically, I pay the range fees out of that those class fees. There's not an additional range fee for most of the most of the ranges. It's just I pay them out of out of that, and uh, I usually travel around a lot. So, if I go to Oklahoma and and do a class at Tate Streeter's range, um, the guys in that area can come to Tate's range. And maybe drive home and not have to get a hotel. And and for a weekend at three hundred fifty dollars, they're going to get some really good instruction that they may have to travel a thousand miles for, pay airfare and hotel, and still pay six hundred dollars to to enter that class. So, um, I I personally think it's the best bang for the buck out there. Um, but you know, I'm a little biased. Well, okay. So I've never taken your class. You know, I, I've talked to people that have taken your class and they tell me how much fun it is and how much they learn and how much it improved their shooting. But I haven't had the opportunity. Hopefully one day soon I will have that opportunity. But what I'm going to say is I have taken classes from other trainers uh, throughout the country and 350 bucks for a two day class is a steal. I mean, I live in California. I can't even go to Disneyland for 350 bucks for two days and stand in stupid lines with whiny kids and you're charging 350 bucks to learn an invaluable skill and, and better yourself. I, I think that that that's phenomenal because I know instructors out there charging well over 800, a thousand dollars for two days of education. And I know that I know they're great instructors, but I know that they don't do a whole bunch of one-on-one -on -one per se, but it's more of a general class. So what you just told me is very exciting. I mean, that's, that's a great still. So, and I know you're a great shooter. I've seen you shoot. I've been watching you shoot for the, what, three, four years now, whatever it's been. Mm -hmm. um, but I am going to warn whoever's listening to this, thinking about taking Jim's class. Again, I've never taken his class, but Jim does get into some tactical yoga, crazy ass positions on those barricades. So be flexible. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, as I age, I'm not I'm I'm not as flexible as I used to do. So my my sitting and kneeling yoga is not what it used to be, and uh, I I very rarely teach that anymore. But I when guys want to see it, I do do it. Um, but there is there is some odd positions on barricades that I do get on, and 
and it's it's just a matter of you know when I go to a match I address that course of fire I look at it I watch a few guys run through it I see what kind of time it takes them to do it and I pace myself based on watching them and then I realize hey I'm gonna have to speed it up I'm gonna have to do some 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 fast things that might not look orthodox just to just to get through the stage and get all my rounds off and and hopefully make all my hits so um there's a lot to this game there is and i try and keep eight to ten guys in my classes and if i run any more than ten i bring in extra instructors um that can help with the one-on-one coaching matt howard Derek love andy folk have all assisted in classes um tate streeters assisted in a class down in oklahoma um, all really solid shooters who who understand the way I teach and what I teach because they've all gone through my class. And so and so that just continues the continuity. We we did a class at the site training center in, in Illinois this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, uh, we had over enrolled that class and Andy came in and it was great because we had one guy come in with a with a scope. He hadn't tightened up his his turret correctly, so his zero stop was slipping, and he was all over the place. And I literally didn't even look at the gun. I just diagnosed it, knowing probably what it was. And I and I basically just said, "Hey, Andy, take Roy's rifle over there and and get it on the line and get that thing tightened up and zeroed for him and and whatever." And it didn't take away from the other students' ability to to be coached and listened to. And, and have that interaction with me because I wasn't tied up for 20 minutes fixing a scope. That's awesome. So is there an age requirement for your class or any kind of requirement to partake in your, your uh, knowledge? No, I've had, uh, I've had teenagers, 16, 17-year-olds in my class. They're, they're, their parents just need to show up the first morning to sign the waiver. Um, and, and uh, I had I had two two in Wyoming this year. Uh, I usually have a, a female in about every other class. Um, so no, there really really is no restrictions. I've had guys in their late 60s come to classes, um, you know, and they they all get something out of it. I had uh, a fellow in Missouri earlier this year, and I, I got a video on my Facebook page of of him shooting off of a tank trap. He goes eight for nine on a 33% Ipsic at uh, 300 yards off a nice. tank trap. And he does it and he does those nine shots in about 35 seconds. So every age level can learn from this. There's, and I adapt my one-on-one coaching to the shooter. So as, as I demo all the barricades and then I put two guys on every barricade and they go back and forth with a dry fire sequence and an actual live fire sequence. And throughout the day, I just continue to go around, watch them, coach them individually. If, if they're having a problem hitting the target or holding steady, I literally tell them, raise your hand and just holler, Jim, I need help. And I'll walk over there and I, and typically it's just a problem with their position. Either, you know, if you're going to press into that barricade, get your, your feet perpendicular, your knees locked, bend at the hips. You know, they're not doing one of those things. Um, so it's it's really, I think the individual coaching that, that they get in my class when I let them kind of free reign is what helps. Because some of the guys are going to get it, and they're not going to need all my attention. And there's going to be a couple guys there that need a little more attention. So it really works out well. Some of the guys pick it up right off the demos, and some of them need that one-on-one. And, and it, it just works so that the whole class can move forward. That's awesome. So... Where do people find out more about your class, where your schedule is for this year, next year, if you have that out already, website, what is it? 
Uh, my website is EliteAccuracy.com. There's a link to my Facebook page on that website. Um, typically in January, I try and have all my classes scheduled, and I put them up on Facebook, and I pin the post. And I'll go up there and update that pin post as classes fill with how many spots are left and things like that. Um, I'll advertise those classes on shooting pages on Facebook. If I'm going to do a class in uh, Missouri, I'll go to the most series page and post it up there. And Missouri's been great to me over the years. I mean, those classes usually fill in one or two days. Um, so, you know, I this year I'm actually probably going to put the schedule up on the web page. It's just with the web page, it's not as reactive to how the classes are filling like on right. Facebook where I can just go in there at any time and, and update things. So um, I, I current I, I have a guy a week call me or, or, or message me about when's your next class. And and unfortunately, I, uh, my next class is in Oklahoma in December. If anyone's interested, they can send me a message through my contact page on Elite Accuracy if they would like to attend that class. Um, I haven't set a date on it yet. Uh, there's a good chance it's going to be in December, though. Very nice. Well, we look forward to everything that you are working on um, this year and, of course, working together in 2019 and beyond. We're just about at that time where we like to wrap up the show right about that hour mark. Um, so I wanted to thank you very much for taking your time out of the day to hang out and chat with us. Um, and if there's anything else that you'd like to add, please, please do so. No problem, Travis. It was my pleasure. Um, I, I just want to thank you and, and Tyler and the NRL for, you know, expanding this opportunity for the border war rifle series I think the future of this sport is very, very bright. Um, there's a lot of organizations out there holding matches. Um, you know, if, you, if you're sitting on the fence and you've never shot a match, find an organization running matches near you. And if, if you don't go shoot one, at least go out and watch one. And that might motivate you to go shoot. It's not a scary endeavor. Um, people are going to be very welcome, welcoming of new shooters. Uh, just ask questions, tell your squad you're new, and, and there'll be plenty of people to help you along. So if you're sitting on the fence, come out, shoot a match, enjoy yourself, and, and meet some great people. Great advice. Until next time, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you guys out at the range. Take care.